Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this here Locked On Padres podcast. Uh, you can check out the show's Twitter page, which is at LO underscore Padres, or you can follow me on my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined to do so, hit me up on there with any questions you might have, and I'll try my best to answer them here on the show. And today's show is a good one. It is a, I guess, a, a Valentine's Day special of sorts. And I'm being joined by Mr. the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, um, if you'd like to introduce himself here, Mr. Kevin. Yes, uh, Kevin Weiss, host of the Locked On Rays podcast. My co-host, uh, Ulysses Zambrano, is also a big part of the show. And he's really the big uh, diehard Rays fan. I just try to keep him in line every once in a while. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. That's definitely kind of the similar with, in my personal case here. So today what I wanted to talk about too, this episode is going to be dropping on Friday and I figured, you know, it's going to be Valentine's Day and I figured what better than to kind of have my first guest on the, on the podcast, you know, have my first other person besides just me speaking into a microphone. So what I wanted to talk about was our teams have been kind of connected in a way. There's been two trades that have happened one involving Tommy Pam and the other one involving Emilio Pagan, which I talked about earlier this week. What are your first thoughts on, on those trades? It's interesting because if, if we go to the first trade, um, the, the Tommy Pham trade, that was more, I felt like that for Rays fans was kind of, it, it kind of hurt a little bit more because Pham mm-hmm. was really one of, if not the most productive offensive player as far as, his combination of power and being able to get on base and, and everything like that. And he was really a guy that uh, brought a lot of heart and energy and enthusiasm. He was one of the few very veteran players. Uh, in fact, he's sort of credited with when the Rays sort of went through a rough stretch with all their injuries and everything that he kind of kept them in line and say, Hey, this, this season isn't over. We have something to play for. I want to get back to the playoffs. And, and he's right. a no nonsense type of guy. And, and he was really liked by the fan base. And, and of course, Rays fans, as it's become customary, they saw it as a salary dump, knowing that Tommy Pham was going to get around $8 million in arbitration, which I think he did. He got $7.9 million. Mm-hmm. And then the other part of that piece, also losing Jay Cronenworth, a guy who in AAA right. just absolutely mashed as a two-way player. He seemed to be sort of a, a guy on the rise. I think he's only 25 years old. I mean, he's really – we were talking about him. Hey, when is, when is it his turn to get called up? When, he, when is he going to start to make an impact for the Rays? And him getting added to the 40-man roster before being traded or kind of circumstances surrounding that, it was like, okay, we, we expect him to be at the show next year. And, of course, that didn't happen. And, and the return – kind of seemed a little light in terms of getting a guy in Hunter Renfro who we, we know about his second half last year and, and the right. injuries that he battled through and uh, his uh, propensity to strike out. And then Xavier Edwards, who uh, Blake Snell is, is known for his comments on him. He didn't really know who he was, but, <laughs> nicely, but yeah, so, and he's a guy who I think, again, it's, it's one of those guys that the Rays won't see for several years because he was just an A-ball, but it, that was kind of more of a gut punch type of trade. Although, unlike my co-host, I actually like the move because no disrespect to Tommy Pham, but I don't think he's anywhere near the defender that 
Hunter Renfro is in the corner of the outfield. Mm-hmm. And, and Tommy Pham also is a guy that if there's one really big knock on him, it, it's his base running. He makes a lot of mistakes on the base pads. I know he stole 20 plus bases last year, but there's been a lot of times where he's made some boneheaded mistakes as far as uh, he actually ended a game where he was picked off at first. Uh, I remember that game. Yeah. The Red Sox. Yeah. And he's, He's done some other things, too, that have cost the Rays in the end. So on the whole, I mean, I, I was okay with that trade. I got it. I understood it. it. It stinks to lose a guy like Tommy Pham, but I think the Rays in their subsequent moves really did get better offensively on the whole. Now, the second trade, the Emilio yeah. Pagan manny Marteau trade, right. that was more, I guess, shocking and more – because it was right – the Rays had their fan fest on Saturday and Ulysses and I were both there and, and we actually saw Emilio Pagan kind of moving through the crowd and he was talking about how excited he was to to start the new year. I mean, he was the de facto closer as of last year and he was he was ready to build off of a career year. And then later that evening, it's like, wait, the Rays traded him for another outfielder. The Rays had just signed a couple of outfielders and, and they, they looked to be set on that front. Of course, you had the the Jose Martinez, Randy Rosarina trade with the Cardinals a little bit before that. But that's a move that, as I got to thinking about it, the Rays know something we don't. And one, I think Emilio Pagan, not to just totally trash on all the players that the Padres just acquired, I <laughs> yeah. think they are good players, but just trying to look at it from a Rays lens point of view. For sure. Um, and this was one of the few moves that was actually not a salary dump for the Rays because the Rays actually took on salary Mm-hmm. in getting the more expensive Margot. But one, they created insurance in, in the fact that Kevin Kiermeyer, in his injured ways, they now have a true, reliable uh, backup center fielder that they can go to in Manny Margot and a guy who really, I guess you could put him anywhere in the outfield. And, and this is a team that's built on pitching and defense. And they sort of traded some relief pitching from more of that defense and, and more speed and, and athleticism on the base pass as well. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Emilio Pagan, who's coming off his career year, he's now going to be on his fourth team in as many years. He was very, very good last year, but he could also be very frustrating at times mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that he does give up the long ball quite a bit. And there's also a feeling out there that he didn't really start and finish a ton of innings. There's actually an interesting Reddit, uh, not a Reddit thread, but a, a thread on Twitter from, um, somebody who kind of broke down all his appearances and he, he either came in to start an inning and couldn't finish it or would come in in the middle of an inning and would finish it from there. And really, we, Ulysses and I both agreed that he's got good stuff. His character is, is off the charts. Like, I mean, he's what you would want in a reliever for sure. But yeah, I, I just don't think he's the... Uh, he's as good as he was last year. I'll put it like that. And I think that with the emergence, yeah, with the emergence of Nick Anderson, I think that's the the closure of the future of the for the Rays. Diego Castillo coming back and, and left-hander Jose Alvarado who had to deal with some family issues in Venezuela and had some injuries. A guy that literally throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball as a southpaw and it moves like a wiffle ball. It is he, There is no doubt he can be kind of a, a high leverage late inning reliever. And I think Emilio Pagan was, especially with the three batter minimum coming back, he was destined to maybe not really be that true closer type of guy. And I think that's why the Rays made the move and they have some other depth uh, at pitching. So on the whole, I mean, from my perspective, 
I know fans are upset about losing Sam and Emilio Pagan, but I get it. I understand it. And I think at the end of the day, it, it makes the team better going forward a little bit when you add in some of the other moves that they made. I joke, they, the, the Rays and Padres should have just made a major trade that involved Emilio Pagan and Tommy Sam <laughs> really? or Manny Margot and Logan Driscoll and, and Hunter Renfro and Xavier Edwards and all those guys and, and kind of saved some of the time and energy. But of course, baseball doesn't work like that. And, uh, you know, teams both have to scour the, the free agent market to see if they can kind of find another solution for that. But yeah, it looks like the Rays and the Padres may have some more deals in the works. I guess they're, they're they buddies now. Here's they might. It's really odd. It's really weird. And you, you touched on it with the Pagan thing. Which to me, look, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, like, you know, the Rays aren't my team, obviously. It was, it was shocking to me because from what I know about the Rays, just as someone who lives in New Jersey and, and watch follows the Yankees a little bit, they're kind of, like you said, a team built on pitching and defense. So I was surprised that they'd be willing to part ways with Pagan, who, if I'm not mistaken, was their saves leader. And which granted, of course, is a, a little bit wonky of a stat sometimes, but he was still really good. So I was wondering, all right, maybe Tommy Pam, and that makes a little bit more sense, you know, shedding salary. And, you know, Austin Meadows, you guys still have, I hope, I, I, I assume, hopefully yeah. nothing happened yet. I assume he's definitely going to be the anchor of the, the, the power of that offense. So it was like, okay, maybe they're going to rely more on him and they want to shed salary a little bit. But Pagat was a little more um, uh, surprising to me. And... Now that you mention it, I guess it's it's interesting because the this is why I like talking to other people about um, their teams and the trade because it seems like it's kind of a fair, equal thing for what both teams were trying to accomplish. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the Padres, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, they seem to be set up as having one of, if not the best bullpens in the National League and, and or in all of baseball. And yeah, with the Rays, again, that's where it, it seemed like a real true baseball move in the sense of, yeah, the Rays had you know, with signing uh, Yoshi Satsugo and trading for Jose Martinez and Randy Arozarena, there were for really the first time that I can remember that the Rays had maybe some questions defensively. Satsugo, he doesn't, we don't really know where he can play as of right now. Coming from Japan, can he play third base? Can he play first base? Can he play uh, in the outfield? I mean, the, the scouting report says he's never going to win a gold glove or anything like that. Randy Rosarina, a guy who is budding with talent, but is he really ready for that next step? Is he really ready for a full season of baseball? Maybe he needs a little bit more seasoning in AAA or what have you. So that kind of left a void of Kevin Kiermeyer, of course, yeah, he's the starting center fielder, but right. it seems like just about every year for the last three or four years, he's going to get injured and, and might have to miss 30, 40, 50 games. So what do you do in that sense? Are you comfortable putting Hunter Renfro in center? Are you comfortable putting Austin Meadows in center? Probably not. Are you are you comfortable in, in calling up Randy Rosarina if he's not completely 100% ready? Then mm -hmm. what do you do? So the Rays, I think, got a, a really good defensive safety net for Kiermaier if he gets injured. And moreover, if they want to trade Kevin Kiermaier after this offseason or sometime maybe around the trade deadline, depending on how the year's going, because he's a guy that uh, is making $10 million this year for the Rays, which doesn't seem to a lot, uh, which doesn't seem like a lot to most other organizations, but to the Rays, for a guy that's like a 700 OPS guy that gets injured quite frequently, they 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 don't want to spend 10 million dollars for a guy like that. So they right. they created insurance in that sense. As far as the pitching angle goes, you know, with losing Pagan, I think they're 
they're really expecting some young up-and-coming relievers to take that next step forward. So I think they, they expect some guys to take the next step. And, and we know with relievers, it's, it's such a volatile business. You can go from being great to being terrible to being great. I mean, it, it really, it can be, it's crazy there, how relievers work nowadays. And they also just signed, I think, Aaron Loop, a former mm. uh, Blue Jay, longtime AL East guy that, that seems to have good splits against lefties and righties. I know he had some injury issues last season. So maybe that's a guy that not necessarily they would put in Pagan's role, but just kind of a depth piece in Vulcan. So I think they're expecting really the big three for them. They expect Nick Anderson to be as elite as he was last year. Diego Castillo to be as elite, to be as elite as he was towards the end of the year and Jose Alvarado to have a bounce back season. So I think what this trade tells me is that they were confident in letting Emilio Pagan go because he was really for all intents and purposes, their, their second best reliever last year. So I think they're trading. They, they, they saw the stock at the highest traded him, wanted to improve defensively and on the base paths. And, and that seems to be, what they did in addition to providing more depth for Kevin Kiermaier in the case that he gets injured. Indeed. And, you know, I actually talked about it on Tuesday's pod where I'm still convinced Manuel Margot is good, like really good. Like I know his, his defensive numbers are pretty solid, but I think he's got another step in his offensive game. I have no way to prove this. It's just a hunch. So kind of congrats on that. So I'm going to be following that for sure. Just, uh, just, you know, every, every fan of every team, they're always interested to see how a player who's kind of had a troubled, maybe a promising career at one point and see if a change of scenery works for them. And I think you raise a good point about the Kiermaier thing. I mean, that guy's hurt all the time. How do race fans like feel about that guy? Because to me, just from afar, he's kind of like the, let me think of a good comp, like an Angelton Simmons of the outfield where, it's this guy where his defensive numbers are so absurd that it almost doesn't matter his offense. But at the same time, you're always thinking to yourself, man, if only he could, you know, improve offensively. And in Kiermaier's case, he's, he's a lot more injury prone too, which is, which is interesting. How do you think the, the race fans feel about that guy? It, it's so interesting because he has a couple things going for him. For one, he's got the good look. I mean, all the, all <laughs> yeah, the definitely. ladies, Female baseball fans are big fans of Kevin Kiermaier. I'll just put it like that. But he's kind of really been – he was signed. The reason the Rays gave him a long-term contract extension was he was expected to be a cornerstone, a franchise cornerstone. Right, I mean, he right. was last year when the Rays made the playoffs for the first time in, in 2013. He was the only player on the roster who had been on that 2013 roster too. So mm-hmm. I think I would say on the whole that – Rays fans are are disappointed and they've kind of moved on to like you're not seeing I don't think a lot of people buying Kevin Kiermaier jerseys at this point in time they're buying Brandon Lau jerseys Austin Meadows jerseys Willie Adamas jerseys Tyler Glassnow jerseys Mm -hmm. he's no longer I when you talk about the face of the Rays I'm not really sure if he's that guy anymore like he was maybe three four years ago when his offensive numbers were good and he was able to stay healthy for a longer point in time so I would say it's frustration especially when he's one of the highest paid players on the team and he just he strikes out a lot he rolls into a lot of grounders and if he could just get above average offensively I think it'd be incredible Rays fans would be yeah Rays fans would be a lot happier with the result but of course I mean you can't shortcut what he does defensively because it is absolutely amazing when he is out there and when he is healthy but it's like you know it's one of those things where 
Kevin Tiermeyer says he's gotten better in the offseason, that he's on this new training plan. And, and Rays fans are like, he says that every year. And he, yeah. he winds up having a, a 680 OPS or whatever. or 676 really, last year, to be, to be exact. Exactly. So it's, it's one of those things where, like, I think Rays fans start to see the writing on the wall that he, he might not be in a Rays uniform after this year and I think there was some definite excitement seeing okay let's see what this Margot kid can do at 25 years old let's see if maybe he can supplant Kevin Kiermaier or Randy Rosarina maybe he is the true center fielder of the future uh coming from the Cardinals for the Rays so you know it's one of those things where I don't think he's any longer a guy that is a fan favorite, if you will. Right. The, the Rays and their fan base have kind of moved on to some other players. I mean, we at the end of the day, defense is, is great and everything, but being able to stay healthy and being able to provide some huge offensive production and not strike out every time there, there's a key situation definitely helps. Like like Austin Meadows, like he has, he has really, really taken a step forward. So I, I think it's one of those things where He's no longer the guy, if you will. It's like, oh, Kevin Kiermaier. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he, he has the potential, but when is he going to realize that and being able to stay healthy and being able to uh, return to his offensive form of four or five years ago? I don't think they ever expected him to be, you know, a 30-30 guy or yeah, nothing a 20-20 like that. guy yeah. in that respect. But, but to just be at least, you know, above average and, and not have to put him at, you know, number eight in the batting order all the time. Yeah, be like a just a solid. I mean, if this guy could just bump up his stats a little bit, I mean, and as someone who's owned him in fantasy baseball before, it was frustrating. Where you just you're just hoping, you know, maybe bat two sixty, get on base above three hundred, and all of a sudden the defensive stats and numbers, which are, are really insane with this guy, like the, he's one of those like baseball nerd favorites. But now it's it's mm-hmm. starting to wear thin, where people are like, well, can you you know? hit above 220 please like we're not asking that much you know what I mean it's almost like a for a basketball reference it reminds me of Ricky Rubio when he was starting out where everyone's like can you shoot above 43 percent or something like that we're not asking for something crazy but hey we'll see what happens with that we're gonna take a quick break and when we get back we're gonna talk about the the MLB playoff format as a whole and the the new proposed rule change I talked about it already on Tuesday's pod but I wanted to to get Mr. Mr. Weiss's opinion on it. So stay tuned here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. All right. After that message, we are back here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. I'm here talking with Mr. Kevin Weiss. It's been a fun conversation about all these Rays things and, you know, the Padres relations between the two teams, the, the really surprising relationship between the two here on this Valentine's Day episode. Now I want to ask you on your thoughts about the the proposed playoff format changes, which have been all over Twitter, all over the internet, you know, everybody's freaking out. I talked about it and I thought I didn't, my, my opinion was basically this. I'm not in favor of it, but I don't want to ever, when it comes to baseball, personally, I never like dismissing changes outright for a sport that I feel has kind of lost its, its buzz when it comes to people talking about it all the time. What is your take on it? Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I actually disagree with my co-host on the Lockdown Rays podcast, Ulysses Zambrano, because I, I actually am on board with the idea. I mean, you look at uh, other professional sports, the NBA, the, the NHL, they have a higher percentage of, of teams that make the playoffs in the Rays, or not the Rays, but MLB, even if they expand to 
14 teams, they still are, are, it's really the NFL, the lowest percentage, and then it'd still be the MLB. And I think this is almost a precursor to MLB expansion to 32 teams at some point. I mean, that seems to be the move, but mm. I know there's all this, there's everything with the, the selection show and, and picking your opponents and, and that sort of thing. I mean, really the big thing too, that I think from a Rays fan's perspective is, one, it, it gives the Rays a much better chance to make the playoffs every year, which is always nice, especially when you add in the fact that the Yankees are going to continue to be the Yankees. The Red Sox, I think after a, a hiccup season or two, they'll probably be right back on track. The Blue Jays seem to be one of the best young up-and-coming teams in baseball with some of their young talent. So that's going to be a really tough division for years to come. And and also getting rid of the one-game playoff for wild card. I think that's something that you play a 162-game season. you got to give those two respective teams that get to that point a little bit more of a reward and then set them to get there. And we know how much fun the, the playoff chase was between the Rays, the Athletics, uh, the Indians, and another team or two there. But I think at least moving to that that format of they're talking about best of three series that's that's hosted by one of the better division series winning teams and I guess the wild card team with the best record they get to host those games I think that's pretty cool but honestly I've got no problem I mean I probably would have liked to see them expand from 10 to 12 and then make that move to 14 after if and when they expand to 32 teams but I'm for a little bit more playoffs and, and for a little bit more postseason games. And the selection show, I think that that could be really intriguing from the, the standpoint of, you know, does a team pick an opposition that is a little bit better defensively, offensively? Mm-hmm. They, they take into account the pitching staff, the injuries of the team. I'm, I, I don't see a lot of teams that would have been picking the, the 2019 Nationals with, right. you know, they, they were one of the hottest in baseball coming through they're like I don't want any part of them and I think you'd see a lot of teams that would avoid the Rays the, the pesky Rays and, and their great starting pitching Absolutely. staff and everything like that so I think it would create some interest from there and and you know I know tr- baseball is trying to reinvent itself a little bit and endear itself to the younger generation of fans and I think this is something that would help that having an event like a selection show and having more playoffs I mean you look at the NFL um, what do they do well they, they make everything an event whether it's the uh, whether it's the, the draft, whether it's the NFL combine, whether it is releasing the schedule for all 32 teams, that's an event in and of itself. Fantasy football, they're, they're doing all these all right. betting. It's all becoming a bigger part of the game to make it a, a, a year-round sport. And I think that's what baseball is, is trying to do. And I'm sure there's some different tweaks and those sorts of things that could probably be worked out and that uh, there's a way to maybe fine-tune this a little bit. but on the whole, I mean, I support uh, a few more playoff teams and a few more games for the postseason. If you're going to play a 162-game season, I mean, and maybe you discourage tanking a little bit and maybe some of those borderline teams, like, say, the Red Sox at midseason last year, maybe they start to make a couple of trades and try to improve a little bit, knowing they have a chance, a legitimate chance to make the playoffs instead of not doing anything and finishing with 84 wins maybe they finish with 87 88 wins and makes things a little bit more competitive and keeps more fan bases interested in the game that's the other thing that's the problem because once a lot of times once you hit june july and you're 500 and you're like all right well we're just going to sell and and play out the rest of play out these 60 70 games it's like what what's the point in that so i think 
keeping more teams involved and interested and playing for something and making it mean something, I think that's important for baseball going forward and and give it a shot and see what happens. I mean, I'm I'm not putting anything past Rob Manfred with his ideas of of robot umpires and and wanting to make bases larger and and dissolve (laughs) minor leagues. He's got got some kooky ideas, I'll say that. But this, honestly, I know there's been a lot of backlash from a lot of people out there, especially on social media, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of on board with the move. Again, uh, I like seeing my team in the playoffs and and if this gives them a better (laughs) shot to do that, so be it. I think you make a good point about the potential, maybe an extension that actually makes the move, I think, make a lot more sense, too, that they're talking about it. And yeah, you're right about the pesky Rays. I mean, honestly, last year's Rays kind of forgotten that they took the Astros to, I think it was five. And if, if a couple more things go their way, and, and remember, the Astros have the home field advantage. So all, all those things considered and all the whole, you know, the whole buzzers and all that that you might want to throw in there mm-hmm. as well. I think it's interesting. I think that in general... I talked about this on Tuesday's pod as well. I really think that the the ratings for that first like live TV show of whatever with the the, the selection show of whoever they're going to face, it'd be pretty bananas. It would be a lot of fun just from that perspective. Would it wear thin after a little bit? Maybe, but I do just think that it just feels like baseball is the last sport that people should be bullish on standing true to their like tradition. When a lot of kids who are growing up, they're being like, oh. Isn't that the sport where if you you flip your bat the wrong way, you get hit with a ball? Like, that's how I feel like a lot of kids, I've literally had a kid say that to me before, actually, where they were like, I don't understand. Like, it feels like there's not enough fun in it. And I think that baseball is trying to do something that's at least a little bit different, whatever it may be. Even if it's a mistake, at least they're trying to say, we need to do something that no other league is doing. And honestly, they, not all the moves that they've made have been bad. I mean, I think that the, their implementation of replay has been solid. And I think that smaller things like the home run derby, which they changed the rules to, actually made the home run derby a lot more exciting. So I'm kind of, I'm more pro than not. I still think it is a little bit weird. You add more teams, you don't know how that affects the playoff race, but I'm definitely more pro in terms of just, I like that they're thinking about changing things. Yeah, and I agree with that. Again, you can't just stay stagnant in this day and age. And we've seen, I think, baseball the last nine years, uh, tendency has dropped league-wide now of course the Rays are definitely a part of that probably a big part of that but <laughs> just sure. throughout the whole attendance has dropped and I think that's a big problem and and again when you've got half a dozen teams that don't really have a shot and aren't really in it and they've either they either sold at the trade deadline or didn't really do anything it's like like why why would you go to the Texas Rangers game in August or September this past right. year there's not there, exactly. there's just not much meaning to that not not saying that's the best example but now you're still going to have yeah there's still going to be really bad teams of course but you're also going to have those teams that you know maybe they fight a little bit harder to to make the playoffs and don't just all right we're going to call the young guys and and see if we can see what they can do for next season and and move on from there and I think you've got to really be sensitive sensitive to that and um, I also think it kind of again from a race perspective it balances things a little bit between the haves and the have-nots where it's not just, okay, the big bad Yankees and the Astros spending all the time, or, you know, just the, the, the big market teams that are spending upon spending upon spending, not to say that that always leads to winning games, but giving more of those mid-market teams uh, a playoff shot is huge, I think, especially for those respective markets and fan bases. I, I think it would have been not last year, but two years ago or so, 
a couple of years ago, the, the Mariners would have sneaked in with their 89 wins. I right, mean, right. You, you couldn't argue that that was a team that deserved to be in the playoffs that year. After if not what for they, the, the Astros explosion, yeah. They just exactly, happened to be in the division exactly. with the Astros, yeah. And then you had the Yankees and the Red Sox who were great that year too. So it's, it, you're right. It's, 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 it's definitely – it has potential. And I don't, I don't want to be that person who's get off my lawn. I mean, I'm certainly not old, but I definitely don't want to have that uh, tag. You know what I mean? I'd rather be wrong yeah. about a new idea than wrong about sticking with the old ideas, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, no, that does. And you know what's interesting about it is – and my co-host brought up a really good point was – he thinks that it's really the diehard, diehard baseball fans that are against this. And it's more of the, myself included, it's more of the general sports fan. Of course, I like baseball as much as the next guy. But once, hey, once August hits, once September hits, I'm talking NFL, even if it's right. as bad as the Bucks. I'm talking, <laughs> okay, you've got the NBA starting, you've got the NHL starting. At least you throw in a selection show. You throw in team, more teams that have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, you're probably going to, hey, maybe people pay equal attention to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals around that time of year, or at least they, they, they focus more on that as opposed to just ditching baseball entirely. So I think being able to try to not just, it, it's going to be impossible to compete with the NFL during those later summer months and early fall months, but at least given, uh, giving them a chance, giving baseball a chance to, okay, yeah, maybe I will watch this game. Maybe I will watch this game that has potential playoff implications and some movement. And I know that, you know, my co-host did mention, you know, now that it seems like this is the, the day and age where everybody gets a trophy and everything like that. And I get that, but it's still 14 out of 30 teams. You still pretty much have to be at least a 500 team to, to make it into the postseason. And I mean, we talk about in baseball, you win 55% of your games, you're doing something right. You're a really good team. You win 90 games. So it's not like, it's not the disparity, I don't think, between, say, the yeah. NBA where the, yeah, where the number eight seed has no shot, absolutely no shot against the number one seed. Whereas in baseball, you could have that, that Boston yeah. Sox team that we just had four it. Games. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they do eliminate. I mean, we've, we've seen... Uh, we've seen quite a few wild card teams that that pull off some upsets and end up winning the whole thing. Yeah, like we just saw the Nationals. Exactly. So I think that, that baseball is just a different sport in that sense, where the the very best team and a good team, a borderline 500 team, they can they can compete in a three game series or what have you. They can they you know depending on how injuries go and and what type of rotation you have and a number of other factors. A lot of things can happen. And I think the big thing too, again, going back to it is, is getting one, rid of the, the one game playoff as much as it, as much as the Rays benefited from it last season, as fun as that game was, it's not really completely utterly fair when, again, you just played 162 games. If you're going to play that many games, you might as well have a couple more teams make the playoffs instead of just make it pretty much worthless. Why are we even playing these games in the, the dead heat of August? If we know we're, pretty much out of the playoff chase unless something gotcha. crazy happens. So I, I, again, baseball is trying to reinvent itself with some things, some things I agree with, some things I disagree with, but I think on the whole, this is, this is a move that I'm intrigued by. And, and I got to give, uh, I got to give Rob Manfred and, and his cohorts credit. They're, they're giving us content. They're giving us things to talk about. We're, oh, we, absolutely. we've had a lot of off-season discussion. Oh, so man, yeah. This year. So, yeah. So, I mean, even, to go as far as 
You know, not saying the Astros scandal was good for baseball by any means, but there's a lot of sports radio shows and a lot of um, non-sports people that were talking about it that normally mm-hmm. would not talk about baseball that time of year, and that's what happened. So it is really interesting what they're doing. And again, I, I would have liked to see them maybe slowly but surely go from 10 playoff teams to 12 and make that jump to 14. But if they want to go to 14 as soon as 2022, I'm not going to say no, because again, I like seeing my team in the playoffs. Just, just to put gotcha. it like that. Gotcha. Yeah, man, this is, this has been a good discussion. I've enjoyed this. I'm, I'm surprised. Cause I'm just used to a lot of baseball fans being on the ante with all these things. That was really refreshing, I guess. So that's really it. Would you like to plug your podcast or what have you to, before we close out the show? Yeah, uh, so we're, of course, on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Rays. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Locked On Rays. My personal Twitter handle is at Kevin Weiss, W-E-I-S-S underscore. And then I want to plug my co-host's Twitter account, but I can't remember it at the moment. moment but you can <laughs> probably just search Ulysses Zambrano or follow our podcast, and, and our names are linked in there, and you can follow us from there as well. So um, we don't just talk about the Rays. Of course, we, we talk about things like expanded playoffs and, and try to mix th- some general baseball topics in as well. And, and we try to have a fun, good time with it. And I'm sure that inevitably when the, the Rays and Padres make another deal and in a couple months, maybe at the <laughs> deadline, I'm sure we pro- we'll probably be crossing paths again, I'm sure. Um, for sure, for sure. And um, I'm looking forward to that. And if it does happen, and I'd love to have you back on. I think this was a fun Valentine's Day edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember, everyone, if you want to get the podcast, just check it out on all of your podcast services, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, whatever. You, you can find it everywhere. I, trust me, you can. Make sure to subscribe. You can follow Kevin at, at the aforementioned links and accounts that he just mentioned. Definitely check out his podcast with his co-host. Hit me up on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or the Lockdown Padres official Twitter account, which is at LO underscore Padres. Everyone, I hope everyone has a uh, fantastic Valentine's Day. And even if you don't have a partner or what have you into traditional sense, I think we can all agree uh, we love baseball and we're happy that it's it's in our lives and we're happy for it to get back in the big swing of things. So Kevin, uh, I'll see you next time. Sounds good. Thank you.